This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. For $75 off your first order, visit molekule.com and enter the promo code FULL75. Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every single day. Today is Wednesday, April the 24th. I'm your host, Shannon Jones, joined by foolish guru, healthcare specialist, good guy all around, Todd Campbell. Todd, how are you? I'm good, Shannon. Hey, Shannon, you know what I really love? What is that? I love when like Yes, absolutely. I love the show. Um, I love when great companies go on sale. Oh. I I love it. You're speaking my language here. I love it. And I love the fact that you brought that up because that is really the first topic of today's show. We're going to be diving into a great company, a full favorite that has gone on sale. We're going to be talking about what exactly is going on. And then in the second half of the show, We've been keeping you up to date on all the latest with gene therapy. We've got some news coming out of Novartis and Avexa, so we'll be getting you all up to speed with that. But Todd, let's dive right in to this this bargain opportunity. Um, Shares of Intuitive Surgical, that is ticker symbol ISRG, the company behind the Da Vinci robotic system, saw shares plummet about 7% in after-hours trading last Thursday. Todd, what was behind the drop? You know, earnings season always gives you one or two really great opportunities to buy good stocks on sale. And it's because investors have this tendency to overreact to these short-term blips on the radar. Um, In the case of Intuitive Surgical, as you mentioned, the maker of the Da Vinci Surgical Assist Robots, they reported earnings that were about nine cents shy of what Wall Street's, you know, fortune tellers were looking for. And as a result, everybody got really nervous and they said, oh my God, I got to get out of the stock. And they sent it down lower. And I think that that's creating a really interesting opportunity for investors because I think the numbers are a lot better than what the stock price indicated. So true. I mean, Intuitive Surgical is just such a dominant player in the market. They've got a massive installed base, 5,000 devices worldwide. They've done 6 million surgeries last year. One million of those happened. Um, This is a company that is dominant, and I love the way that you phrased it, Todd, because this is really a blip on the radar. When you're talking about numbers actually being better than they appear, revenue was $974 million. That's up almost 15% year over year. Adjusted EPS was $2.61, up from $2.44. A big part of the miss was on earnings, as you mentioned. But really, Todd, they're spending money where they should be spending money right now. So this doesn't concern me. Right. I mean, you think about this. Robotic surgery offers some really unique advantages over traditional freehand surgery because the what happens is the surgeon is is operating the the robot right from an other location and using you know it's got like 3D cameras that helps the surgeon see exactly as if the surgeon was actually operating over the top of the patient and it adjusts the surgeon's movements to smooth them out a little bit so you end up with reduced complications and faster recovery times and i think that that's a huge value add for hospitals 
um, because the last thing you want is is to have to perform another surgery or have someone be readmitted because of a complication. And as you mentioned, they are the dominant player. There really isn't anybody else out there that's even worth discussing at this point in this industry. And they've got over 5,100 uh, installed um, devices. Their devices are being used more frequently in other indications. I mean, it used to be that, you know, these systems were being used primarily in gynecology and urology, but now they're being used in general surgery, like hernia repair as well. Um, and the company continues to innovate. Like you said, yes, their expenses are increasing and that creates a little bit of a short-term drag on their earnings, but they're increasing because they're investing in greater functionality of their systems, you know, opening up the door to more widespread use. And this company, Shannon, makes a lot of its money, not from the systems it sells, but from the instruments and the consumables that are used each time a procedure is done with it. Yeah, instrument and accessory revenue increased by about 20% to 552 million. That was about 56% of revenue. And as you mentioned, I mean, the more and more that these, these devices are used, you see a jump in procedure growth that went up 18% year over year. Um, overall, I do think this is very much short term pain for them. Um, we were talking a little bit about how they're investing. They've been investing not only in technology, but also in expansion outside of the U.S., which is an awesome opportunity for them, massive opportunity for them, and particularly in fields like imaging and also informatics and really scaling the infrastructure to, to ex really support this international expansion they're going after. after. Um, they're investing in the technology to drive future growth. They're pushing the needle even in areas like with augmented reality. They got a new system called Iris, which basically allows surgeons before and during surgery to use this 3D image of a patient's anatomy, which is really innovative, very cool. Um, and so they're continuing to invest in new technology to continue to grow that massive installed base. Um, you mentioned a little bit like there really are no other players out there. That's not to say that they are not coming. Um, speaking of which, Medtronic um, is developing a machine to go into direct competition with Intuitive Surgical's DaVinci system. Remember, they bought Mazer Robotics last year. I believe it was a $1.6 billion deal for their spinal surgery systems. Um, you've also got J&J, &J, which announced it was partnering with Alphabet to form Verb Surgical, and they did acquire a private robotic company called RS Health. But those, to me, seem like so far away. Um, and honestly, with Intuitive Surgical's massive installed base, the switching costs are just so high. So even if competitors come to the scene, many of these large hospital systems that have already paid for these devices trained their physicians. I think um, they've trained more than 40,000 doctors on their devices. They're not going to be so quick to go ahead and switch to some of these competitors, especially um, if they can't compete on price and with technological innovation as well. Yeah. You know, one of the other things, Shannon, I want to make sure everybody understands in looking at this earnings report and trying to figure out why do they sold it off and, and why I say I think the results are actually better than the stock price suggests is you got to realize to your point about the installed base and, you know, having this dominant position without a lot of, with it being hard for competitors to kind of knock them out. They've realized they've kind of penetrated all of the big hospital systems that have the deep pockets. So now they're looking at it and saying, well, how can we 
still get more of our systems installed as maybe some of these other hospitals, these smaller hospitals. And what they're doing is they're increasing the number of systems that they're leasing. And I think that's important because a lot of people maybe have looked at the fact that system revenue only grew 6% and said, oh, wait a minute, what's going on here? But a lot of that was because of the, the, the fact that they're leasing more of these. And as they're leasing them, they're spreading out the revenue across the lease term. So you're not getting that one big upfront uptick in revenue from, from the selling the actual system. Instead, you're, you're amortizing it over the whole period of time. You know, I think that they said that of the 5,100 they have installed, I think a little bit less than 500 are operating leases. And I think that they generated uh, or they reported about $20 million in revenue from those operating leases, which was double a year ago. So I think the investors need to realize that this is yeah, yes, a short-term hit maybe on the system revenue side, but it actually creates more recurring revenue. And that that's great because it provides clarity, right? Clarity is something investors love, right, Shannon? Absolutely. And just diving a little bit more into the leases. So, yeah, you did see an uptick in these leases that happened um, quarter over quarter. And there are these near-term headwinds associated with that. But as these uh, devices are leased out to these hospital systems, you get more and more physicians trained on the systems. They continue um, to grow procedures over time. So a short-term hit for what I think will just be a much bigger, longer-term opportunity for a lot of these smaller systems. The other factor is trade-ins as well. So customers are trading in these DaVinci systems for newer ones. The company does actually um, give credit toward the purchase of these newer systems. So you do see a slight decline in average selling price. But again, customers who are trading up are more likely to perform more procedures, which should drive revenue over the long term. Right. So, you know, future growth, where would it come from? Well, I, I think that you can increase the number of procedures per installed machine. You know, I think that they reported that they grew by mid single digits and procedures per machine. Uh, and then, of course, as more and more procedures are eligible for, for using these machines, hospital systems will add more machines, right? Because there is obviously a capacity component to that. Okay, well, maybe we'll have two machines, or we'll have three machines. Um, so even though they're, they're getting pretty penetrated as far as systems, I think there's a, a really good opportunity for consistent double-digit procedure growth. And I think that that's really what's going to drive this, this company's you know, results in the future. Plenty of cash. You know, it's got five billion in cash. Doesn't have any debt. Um, I think this is a really good opportunity. I mean, it's not a value stock, but you know, you're buying it cheaper than you could have a few weeks ago for uh, for reasons that I don't think you know those who are selling it fully understand. Yeah, I completely agree. Definitely not a cheap stock by any means. If you look at it from a price to earnings basis, that stands at around forty four, about twice as expensive. Um, as the broader market average right now, and on a PG ratio perspective, when you factor in growth rates, uh, Intuitive is right at about 3.7. So not a cheap stock, but if you're looking for a long-term winner who will continue to dominate this market, I totally agree, Todd. Now is a perfect time to buy. And with that, um, we're going to turn our attention to the gene therapy space. But before we do, a quick word from our friends at Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. Molecule has introduced a breakthrough science that is finally capable of destroying air pollutants 
at the molecular level. Molecules technology has been personally effective and verified by science, but most importantly, it's been tested by real people. Molecule has given allergy and asthma sufferers around the country an all-new experience. Through Molecule's reinvented air purifier, Molecule doesn't just collect air pollutants. It destroys them at a molecular level. This includes viruses, bacteria, gaseous chemicals, and mold. When you turn on Molecule, you're creating the purest air possible, combating allergy season by destroying allergens in the home. Personally, I can attest spring hits the Jones household pretty hard. Pollen and allergies plague our little one this time of year. And after having the molecule in our house, literally within hours, we noticed a huge difference. She could once again breathe through her nose. And as all parents know, that means the ability to get a good night's rest for everyone, something we can all appreciate. So for $75 off your first order, visit molekule.com and enter the promo code FOOL75. That's molekule.com and promo code FOOL75. All right, we're back. We've been covering the gene therapy space, keeping all of our listeners up to date on all the latest developments. The latest news, though, coming from Novartis, ticker symbol NVS, and Avexis with their gene therapy has not been so exciting, though. Todd, um, the news that came out of Novartis probably could not have come at a worse time for the company who is attempting to land a landmark FDA approval. Right. So Novartis spent $8.7 billion to acquire the rights to Zolgen SMA, a one-time gene therapy that can, that's under FDA review for approval in a condition called spinal muscular atrophy, an ultra-rare disease. Uh, SMA is a condition in which a genetic mutation uh, makes, it, uh, makes the body unable to produce a particular um, protein that's necessary to maintaining healthy nerves and muscles. Um, because of that, most of these patients end up dying before their second birthday. And obviously, that means that there's a significant need for new approaches. Now, there is a drug that's already on the market for this indication, but it requires um, multiple injections per year for life. Uh, and it doesn't work for everybody. So expectations or hopes were very high that Zolgen SMA, if approved, uh, would provide a one-time functional cure for this patient population. Unfortunately, news came out this week saying that one patient um, passed away uh, in a trial that's ongoing in Europe. And the investigators or the people who are looking at this stuff think that it could, could uh, be the result of the treatment, Zolgen SMA. Um, whether or not that actually derails approval, though, Shannon, uh, is not is is unknown, because remember this is a very very devastating condition with a very poor survival rate. Yeah, and with news like this, of course, there's always a plethora of bad news in the world of biopharma, um, especially don't like to see it when there are children involved. Um, but like you mentioned, Todd, SMA is a progressive disease. Um, you mentioned that many of these infants don't even make it to their second birthday and are oftentimes within that last year 
on uh, ventilators um, trying to hold on. So the need here is huge. Biogen, of course, does have Spinraza on the market for SMA. But Zolgen SMA is hoping to be the first gene therapy um, for this particular type of SMA, specifically type 1, at least initially, if they are able to get approval, which could come um, in May, so next month, even early June. And so um, they're really on the cusp of hopefully getting approval for a very, very serious disease. But um, if I'm Biogen right now, I'm thinking, okay, Spinraza is really kind of my bread and butter. It's really what's been driving the business. The most formidable competitor right now has some question marks on safety. I'm thinking, okay, we might be okay, because even if it gets approved, there may be enough safety concerns that physicians are are unwilling to prescribe it as much as Spinraza. Would it be very interesting to see the way doctors view and if it's approved, it, how, how doctors view the availability of, of Zolgen SMA. Um, you have to take a couple things into consideration when weighing the pros and cons associated with this potential gene therapy. When asked about it or when addressing the fact that they, there was this patient death, um, you know, Novartis came out and said, hey, listen, you know, this is a devastating disease with, you know, 8% uh, only about 8% of children do survive 20 months in the trials that we submitted, the trial data that we submitted for the FDA approval. Uh, 15 out of 15 patients that were given Zolgen SMA made it to 20 months. I mean, that that's just, that's just remarkable. Um, they also said that, listen, this child did, was identified as having five different viral infections, including RSV, which is severe respiratory infection. Um, so this wasn't, this, this child was, was potentially even more compromised maybe than some of the other ones who would be receiving it. So we need to see how the investigators actually, you know, um, view this. We need to see what the FDA says about it. And then we need to see if approved, uh, what doc, how doctors view that, you know, pro and cons, right? The safety versus the efficacy, uh, considering the, the, you know, how devastating the disease is. Exactly. And for Novartis, they're also hoping to get approval in Japan and the European Union later this year as well. So it'll be uh, interesting to watch. I do think another factor you'll have to keep in mind, and this even goes beyond Novartis and Biogen, but the gene therapy space as a whole, but is pricing. So with Spinraza, this is a drug um, with Biogen. It's got a, a price tag of... Um, I think it's $850,000. Naturally, um, it, Biogen has gotten a lot of flack for how it's priced this drug. Um, you've had the ICE or the Institute for Clinical and Economic Review issuing a report suggesting that the price be cut by about 83% based on the value and effectiveness of the drug. Um, and then if you remember back in August, um, the UK's uh, agency, NICE, that basically decides on cost effectiveness and what drugs will ultimately be included in the national public health system, um, they pushed back, recommended against treatment with Spinraza, despite the substantial benefit um, that was that was seen with it. And so um, I know with ICER in particular, they even recently, even though it's early, we, the drug's not approved, they also put out some information also suggesting that this drug could also be overpriced 
based on its value. So I think that'll be another key area to watch. Um, I know Novartis right now is saying that the belief, they believe the treatment is cost effective in the four million to five million range, which is astronomical if you think about that. But some analysts are saying more than likely they'll probably back down. Could be two million. We'll have to wait and see there. But all in all, pricing will continue to be a major issue for a lot of these gene therapies, whether they get approved or not. Yeah, I think the Institute for Clinical and Economic Research said that to meet the the, the quality adjusted life years metric that they use for pricing, um, Zolgen SMA would have to hit the market with a price tag of of no higher than nine hundred thousand. Um, yeah, so I don't know where the price is going to fall. Obviously, Novartis is saying, "Hey, we're saving you four to five million over a lifetime," versus Icer saying, mm, "900 grand is pretty much where it would max out." Be interesting to see where pricing falls. Even though there are only a few thousand patients with this condition, that kind of a price point suggests a multi-billion-dollar drug. And if you think about Spinraza, Spinraza sales last year were 1.7 billion. Uh, I think up 95 percent year over year. So I think that this is obviously a very important um, therapy for multiple reasons, obviously for the impact that it could have on on patients, um, but also for the impact it could have on investors, not only of Novartis, but of it Biogen because of the show we did a few weeks back talking about Biogen's stumble in Alzheimer's disease. So this is definitely going to be one one to watch. Yeah, Sharon. definitely one to watch. And yes, Biogen Spinraza, $750,000. It was um, taught it was Sparks Luxterna that was uh, $850,000, the, the other gene therapy that was approved for the market. So you can kind of see that range that they're playing in. But as you mentioned, there'll be a lot to watch, especially as we get closer to approval with Novartis and Avexis. But we will be sure to keep all of our listeners up to date on all the latest approvals and pricing news that comes out of this space. But that will do it for this week's industry-focused healthcare show. Thanks so much for tuning in. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Austin Morgan. For Todd Campbell, I'm Shannon Jones. Thanks for listening and full on. Full on.